Praise the Lord. Well, I want to share with you um, a portion of Scripture from the Gospel of Matthew. And as you know, we are going to have uh, baptisms in, in a couple of weeks, I believe. Um, so um, I would like to do a little bit of a, of a teaching, if you like, on, on something that just came up. Um, I, I never seen it that way, and I was doing my readings and my research, and I found something that um, I just wanted to share with you about the Lord Jesus uh, being baptized in water. And um, I just, uh, yeah, just wanted to, to share uh, a couple of thoughts, really, and, uh, and, uh, and allow the Holy Spirit to, to minister to us this morning. So um, why don't we just um, read the portion of Scripture, and then we will pray, and let's see what the Lord is taking us today. Amen? So we're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 2, sorry, chapter 3, although I'm going to mention a passage from chapter 2 also. But our main portion of Scripture is Matthew 3, from verse 13 to verse 17. And we're going to be reading today from the New Living Translation. If you have a different version with UNIV, um, New King James, whatever, that's fine. I just felt that uh, New Living Translation has a bit more of a of um, more modern vocabulary for us today, although I will highlight a couple of things. I believe, in my opinion, uh, New Living Translation uh, falls a little bit short, and I will specify what that is. But this is what the Bible says. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. That's John the Baptist, his cousin. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires, or that we should fulfill all righteousness. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you, Lord, for the privilege we have to be here today. We ask you, Lord, that you will speak to us. Lord, that you will keep us straight with your word, and that the spirit of revelation will minister to us this morning, Lord that you will bless every heart of those who are here, those who are following through, through Zoom, and those who will hear this message in a few days or in a few hours through the website and the Internet. Lord, we pray that you will touch every heart that hear those words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, you need to understand when we think about the gospel, um, you, may, you know, we have four gospels, right? We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, is called the synoptic Gospels. And synoptic means seen together. And the reason why they are called like that is because the, the structure of the, of the three Gospels and the chronology, the chronology is very similar. So we have Matthew, and Matthew was written primarily to a Jewish audience. So he's, he's writing to Jewish people about their Messiah, about Jesus Christ being the Messiah. Okay, Mark, uh, he writes primarily to the Romans. So you see a lot of miracles, a lot of action, and it's the shortest of the, of the um, Gospels. Then we have Luke, and Luke primarily writes to uh, or appeals to a, a Greek mentality, 
Um, that's why I believe the Gospel of Luke is the one that um, uh, fits better with our European culture, if you like, in the West. But then we have the Gospel of John, and the Gospel of John was written possibly 30 years after the last synoptic gospel was written. And I believe John, who was very close to the Lord Jesus, he was the youngest of all the disciples, and he obviously had a, a, a very peculiar um, approach to everything that Jesus did and said. And he wrote that gospel, in my understanding, or in my opinion, to bring some clarifications on uh, maybe a few misunderstandings that maybe the church had assumed by reading the other Gospels. And what I mean by that is, for example, when, when John is describing the last week, the Passion Week, he is so detailed about when everything happened and, and, uh, and trying to bring clarification for misinterpretations. The whole Gospel of John is divided into parts. The first part is the whole ministry of Jesus, the public ministry. And then the second part of John is basically that last week. And it's all these messages and sermons that he spoke to his disciples. So we have four Gospels. We have four different audiences and four different uh, targets, if you like, in, in terms of the speech. And here we are in the Gospel of Matthew. And the Gospel of Matthew is written to the Jewish people. And what Matthew wants to show is that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Jesus Christ is the, is the Messiah that the nation of Israel has been waiting for. And then we arrive to this very important time, which is the baptism of the Lord Jesus. So the Lord Jesus comes to the River Jordan, from Galilee to Jordan, to the River Jordan, and then he is there and he meets John the Baptist. And of course, you know, we could go to the other Gospels and we have more details about uh, what happened in, 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 in that particular occasion and, and the different conversations, etc. But we're going to be focusing today on Matthew. And the Bible says that he comes, and when he comes with the crowd to be baptized, John the Baptist identified him, and he doesn't want to baptize him because he knew he was the Son of God. And he doesn't want to even touch him or do anything to him because he knows, you know, I should be the one being baptized by you. But the Lord Jesus says, John, we have to fulfill everything that the Lord has told us to do. This is the right thing to do. And then he comes and he gets baptized. Now, you have to think about this. Baptism, John's baptism, John's the Baptist baptism was a baptism of repentance. So therefore, Jesus is coming, the Son of God is coming with nothing to repent of. And he's coming and said, I have to do this because it's the right thing to do. And, and, and here we can, we can say, you know, you, you know why? You know, why if, if he has not committed any sins? Why does Jesus Christ have to be baptized if this new approach has nothing to do with, with him? So he comes and he says, John, just baptize me. And as soon as he's baptized and he comes out of the water. So imagine that. You know, imagine that this is, this is the riverbank. This is the, the, the shore. So he comes down into the waters of baptism, right? He gets baptized, and then he comes up out of the water after he's been baptized. And when he's coming out of the water, the Holy Spirit comes upon him, and then a voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son, or 
my dearly loved son, according to the New Living Translation, in him I am well pleased, or in him, what, is, what does he say here? This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Now, there's an amazing, um, there's an amazing thing there that we missed in modern languages, in English, Spanish, whatever, because that's an aorist verb in Greek, which means in him I was, I am, and I will be well pleased. So basically what the Father is saying from heaven is he's getting baptized not because he has anything to be repented of. He's getting baptized because he's doing something that you don't fully understand. But I am pleased with, with what he has done before this event. I am pleased with what he's doing right now. And I will be pleased with, with you know, getting his foreknowledge. I'm, I'm going to be pleased with everything that he will do in the future. Right? Now, this is a, an, a, very, a very important event because we see the Lord Jesus coming out of the water. And then the whole, the whole uh, trinity of God is, is represented there. The Lord Jesus is coming out of the water. The Holy Spirit comes upon him and rests upon him. And then the voice of the Father witness about what he's doing. And what, what, what happened after that? The Holy Spirit just came and anointed him, led him to the desert to be tempted. But there's way more here because the Lord is saying, the, the Father from heaven says, this is my dearly loved son, my dear son. The Father is witnessing from heaven that Jesus Christ is the son of God, right? This is, this is quite amazing because if we go to chapter 2, verse 15, look what it says here. And they stay there. It's talking about Joseph taking the baby and Mary. Um, verse 14 says, That night Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I call my son out of Egypt. This is a quotation of, prophets, of prophet Hosea, uh, chapter 11, verse 1. And if you go to Hosea 11, 1, basically what the text is talking about is, is uh, the Lord is speaking about Israel as my beloved son, my dear son. My dear son that I love so much, but they continuously reveal, reveal against me. They, they, were, they, were, they were rebellious. So, we see that here in this story, Jesus Christ is being, number one, identified as the Son of God. And number two, the Holy Spirit takes him to fulfill his vocation or his ministry or his calling. And he uses the same vocabulary. The Father is using for Jesus the same vocabulary that he used for Israel. When Israel was taken out of Egypt and then they have to cross the river Jordan, to inherit the promised land. In this case, Jesus is doing exactly the same, but all the way around. He's in the promised land, he's in Galilee, and then he's going to the Jordan, he's going through the river, and then he's going to be tempted in the desert. Instead of 40 years, he's tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. And he's basically, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, out of Egypt I call my son, he is actually identified, Jesus Christ is being identified with, the, with Israel. And he is actually 
being able to fulfill the task that Israel could not fulfill. Israel spent 40 years in the desert. And in those 40 years, they rebelled against the Lord. Big time. But we see that Jesus Christ, on the 40 days and 40 nights that he was in the desert fasting and praying, he managed to fulfill what Israel did not. Now, if we go, if we go a bit deeper, we can actually see the three temptations, shall we? So if we continue reading uh, chapter 4, the temptation of Jesus, um, verse 3 says, well, let's just get it from the beginning. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted, by, to be tempted there by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. He fasted and became very hungry. I mean, imagine fasting for 40 days. You know, everyone will be hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, you hear that? That's actually what the Father said about him when he came out of baptism. That's what the Father said about Israel in Hosea 11.1. If you are the Son of God identity, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No. <laughs> the Scripture says, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, that temptation is something that Israel failed. They gossip against God. They gossip against Moses. Oh, why did God take us to this desert to kill us? I'm shouting too much, am I? I've been in Spain recently, you see? <laughs> why is God taking us here? We used to have meat. We were slaves, but we have meat in Egypt. And here we have nothing to eat. And then the Lord sent the manna, the manhun, which is, what is this? <laughs> what is this? That, that special bread, right? The bread of heaven. But Jesus Christ is saying here in this particular episode, he's saying, remember, remember, we are not to live out of bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil, verse 5, took him to the, to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you are the Son of God, again, identity, again, the name of God to, to His Son, again, the name of God to Israel, if you are the Son of God, jump off. For the Scriptures say, He will order His angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your food on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Another temptation, another success. What did Israel did? Exactly the opposite. The Lord says, these, these people, Israel, they're very hard because they're tempting me over and over. They're testing me. Israel tested the Lord. But here, the, the Lord Jesus is saying, we should not test the Lord. So again, he's achieving what Israel couldn't. Hallelujah. Next, verse 8, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of here, Satan. Jesus told him, for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only Him. Hallelujah. And that's exactly something that Israel could not do. 
the first thing that Israel did in the desert was, what was it? To create an idol and to worship the idol. Remember that? So Jesus Christ is saying, we can worship only our Lord. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of him and served him. And serve him. Hallelujah. So we see a wonderful thing here. We see how the Lord calls Israel my, my son in Hosea 11.1. 1, and actually, uh, Matthew 2.15 is quoting that particular scripture. And then they went through the desert. Then they went through the river. And then they inherit the promised land. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, comes to fix that. And he's already in the promised land. And he crosses the river through baptism. And he goes to the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights to do, to put right what Israel couldn't. Hallelujah. But there is two more things I would like to share with you. Shall I? What do you think about this? This is pretty cool, I think. <laughs> I'm enjoying this. <laughs> I spoke about identity. I spoke about who God, the Father, described Jesus. My beloved son, my dear loved son. Hallelujah. That was a quotation directed to Israel. The identity. What did Israel did with that identity? Israel, with that identity, separate themselves from the rest. We are special. We are gods. And you are not. And we are a special nation. So they use their identity. They use their identity to separate themselves from the rest. And of course, we know that holiness is about separation. But in this case, it was a separation not in an attitude of salvation or an attitude of holiness. It was in an attitude of pride and comparison. And we see Israel's identity basically bringing that sort of pride. But when Jesus comes, and we read especially uh, the book of Philippians, and we read that God didn't use his identity to something to, be, to hold on, but he, he gave himself to serve we see that wonderful picture of the Lord going into the wilderness and not using his identity just to satisfy his own needs. You remember what the devil says? If you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, why don't you help yourself? Why don't you turn the, the, the stones into bread? Why don't you use your identity? But the Lord Jesus Constantly, under the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit, he's quoting Scripture and putting things right. Hallelujah. Absolutely love this. How he, being King of kings and Lord of lords, he could manipulate or he could use that in his advantage, but he is holy. And he said to that devil, away with me. Away from here. Because... It is written, it is written, it is written. Now, something that amazed me when I did a bit more of a study is that, well, it's just to realize that what we cannot achieve or what we cannot produce in our own flesh, you know, Israel couldn't do it in, his, in its inheritance. You know, the chosen people, the people of Abraham, what they could not do in the flesh, 
that involves the circumcision, the covenants. What they could not produce in their own strength, Jesus Christ came to produce it in our behalf. Hallelujah. He came to do exactly what we could not achieve in the flesh. Our representation of that was Israel. Israel could not achieve it in the flesh. So Jesus Christ came to achieve it for us. Hallelujah. He came. He died on the cross to save us, to give us an identity. So we, we have received power to be called sons and daughters of God. But then he gave us the power to witness. He gave us the identity for vocation or for ministry. We cannot separate them. And that's why Christianity doesn't work by the fact that I'm, I'm a Christian and I just live my own life. No, we have been called Christians. We have been followers of Christ. We have been called to the Lord to achieve something, to, to, to witness. The Lord says in, uh, the Bible says in, in uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon you and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We have been called to do something. We are not here just to, you know, receive the blessing, but the blessing has a consequence. All authority has been given to me on heaven and earth and under the earth, he says. Therefore, go and make disciples to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything I have taught you. And lo, I'm with you always until the end of days. Hallelujah! This is actually the great commission that because of who God is, we are, and because of what he has done, we can do it too. Hallelujah! Woo! But let me tell you another one, a third point if you like. Woo, this comes from heaven. When we see the Israelites coming out of Egypt, they went through the Red Sea, and they went through the Jordan River. What is different from this story to the story of Jesus? They didn't get wet. They didn't get wet. They crossed the Red Sea on dry land. Who got wet? The army of Egypt. When they went to cross the, Red, the, the, the Jordan River, it was the priests who got wet a little bit on their feet. When they touched the water, the water split in two. And then they continued with the Ark of the Covenant until they were in the middle of the River Jordan. And then the Israelites crossed through dry land. When they crossed fully, then the priests left and then the waters came back together. They didn't get wet. But what happened with Jesus? He has to get wet. He has to come down to the waters of baptism. And it's actually when he is baptized, by full immersion we believe, he comes up out of the water of baptism. And it's at that precise moment that the Holy Spirit comes upon him and that the voice of God confirms he is my beloved son. In him I was, I am, and I will be well pleased. What is the symbolism of the water? When we know that the Lord Jesus, we know, think about the water like the word of God. 
right? And we know that Jesus is the incarnated Word of God. Why did He have to get wet? Why do we have to get wet? Because remember the first episode. Remember the people of Israel coming out of Egypt. They were not really out of Egypt until they crossed the sea. Are you with me? And it's not until they crossed the sea through dry land that the sea closed up and destroyed the army, the mighty army, all the chariots of Pharaoh. And what Jesus Christ is doing, he's not just selecting Israel as an anointed, unique nation. He is through the gospel and his own life and ministry. He's opening that up to everyone who believes. So Jesus' identification is not only with Israel. Jesus' identification is also with those who perished under the water. Are you guys with me? Jesus Christ came to fulfill what Israel could not fulfill, but to open the door to everyone who believes. And that's why he got wet. And that's why we have to get wet. Tina, you're going to get wet in two weeks. Why? Because our identity, our identity is linked to our vocation. And our vocation is to stand for righteousness, like Jesus did. John, I have to fulfill all righteousness, he said to John the Baptist. But through going through the water of baptism, we are symbolizing that our old life stays behind. And our new life comes up. But we are here to serve those who live in this broken world. This is what Jesus came to do. Identif identify himself with sinners. The Bible says that he was described as a friend of sinners. Are you guys with me? He came. He came to fulfill what Israel could not fulfill. But not in his own identity. But he used his identity to open the door to all of us. Hallelujah for that. Hallelujah. I was just amazed when I was reading this. Because I see how how the Lord Jesus had to come and fulfill all righteousness and what he was doing. Even John the Baptist didn't understand. But he says, John, we have to fulfill everything that, that God has commanded us. We have to fulfill all righteousness. And when that happened, Jesus Christ automatically becomes the Son of God who was the only one able to fulfill everything that Israel could not or would not. And also, he opened the door by His grace and mercy towards all of us sinners. Because of love. Because of grace. That's why when we came to Christ, Lord, what shall we do? Remember those at the day of Pentecost when the Apostle Peter gave that amazing sermon in less than 100 words? And 3,000 people Get saved and baptized on the same day. What shall we do? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be baptized. What is the requirement? Believed and be baptized. What are we talking about? When we believe, we are entering into God's kingdom. We are entering into God's 
identity. We are adopted. We have a new identity. We receive a new name. But by going through the waters of baptisms, we realize that we are crossing from one land to another land, from one stage to another stage, that we have been washed in the Word of God, and we are to be serving those around us to identify ourselves with the world. That's why the Apostle Peter said, you know, he, he, he didn't understand the whole picture. And then he says, the Lord says, you are not of this world. I put you in this world, although you are not of this world. Peter, the enemy has asked me permission to tempt you. What do you say, Lord? No, right? No. <laughs> but I will be praying for you. That means that in this life, we're going to go through hard times, through hard experiences. I was talking last week about the difference between a puzzle and a mystery. When you read a novel or, a, or we watch a, a, a murder mystery, it's not really a mystery, is it? It's a puzzle. We just need all the pieces. We need all the information. When we put all the pieces together, all the information together, we can solve the puzzle. But the mystery is even if we will have all the pieces, we cannot reach to fully understand how to solve this puzzle. And that's the difference between a puzzle and a mystery. The apostle so many times speaks about the mystery, the mystery of the gospel, the mystery of salvation, the mystery of the kingdom. Because even if we will have all the information, we will never fully comprehend because only the mind of God can put everything together. And that's why we have been asked to be obedient. That's why we have been asked to be dependable on the Lord and not rely on our own understanding. We think we can solve every puzzle, don't we? I mean, we are very good, especially in Britain, isn't it? We are very good in quizzes, aren't we? <laughs> we can do it. If I will have all the right information, even if we will have all the right information, it will go through over our heads. Because this is the mystery of God. This is God's masterpiece. Hallelujah. That's just a few thoughts, guys, I have for you this morning. How the Father identified Jesus Christ as his son. Out of Egypt, I have called my son. Using the same vocabulary that he used for Israel. How Israel left Egypt, crossed through dry land, through two bodies of water, the Red Sea and the River Jordan, to inherit the promised land. But they failed. Forty years in the desert and they failed. But Jesus Christ comes from the promised land, getting wet through the river, coming out and going by the Spirit to the desert and defeating the enemy in 40 days and 40 nights. And using his identity as a tool to develop his vocation, his ministry. Hallelujah. That's why, that is why Jesus Christ had to go through the waters of baptism before he started his ministry. Because he came to put things right. He came to save those that were lost. And he has to start from the house of his father and then open the door to all of us. Hallelujah. Because of his love. 
He walked back that journey from Egypt to the promised land. He walked it back just to fix it. And then through that, he opened it to all of us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He also got wet. Not just his feet like the, like the priests when they touched the waters of the river. But he got properly baptized to identify himself with our suffering. To identify himself with our brokenness. To identify himself with our temptations. To identify himself with everything that you and I go through daily. He wants to make sure that you understand and that you can feel in your heart because that's a long journey sometimes, isn't it? From the head to the heart. Sometimes it's the longest journey. Sometimes we know stuff here very well for, for many, many years, but until we understand it here, that's actually when it becomes true understanding, not just knowledge, but understanding. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he came and he opened that door for us to realize that he was the true son of God. The older brother among many. Hallelujah. So in a couple of weeks, Tina and uh, Ethan will come to the waters of baptism. We're going to have open this platform and we're going to open our baptism tank. And then they will get baptized, and we will have three baby dedications. Hallelujah. And we're going to have fun. We're going to go to, the, to Rosile Beach or pray for the good weather. And we're going to have a, a wonderful uh, family time, church family time. But remember, when you see Ethan and Tina coming to the waters of baptism, when you remember your own baptism, remember that what we are doing there is identifying with Christ in our identity, but also identifying ourselves with our humanity to keep on serving the world. We have not been called to be separated from the world, but through Christ, make the world a better place. A place of reconciliation. A place where people can find God. People can find hope. People can, through Christ, quench their pain and their suffering. Let us not get cocky with our identity in Christ. But let us use our identity in Christ to give a hand to those in need. Whether it's materially, emotionally, physically, spiritually. Hallelujah. I pray tonight, today, excuse me, that this word, this revelation will, will come deep in our hearts and we will fully experience and understand this and the importance of baptism. Why? Why is baptism so important? It's about identity and it's about ministry. Shall we pray? Lord, we thank you for the privilege we have to, to be here today, Lord, and to, and to study your word together. Thank you, Lord, for 
the beauty, the power, the wisdom within your word. Lord, there is so many things that we don't know, <laughs> that we don't fully understand. And I'm amazed that it doesn't matter for how long we have been believers and for how long we have been reading the Bible. Your word is alive and is efficient. And every time we come with, a, with an open heart, with a willingness to learn, you speak to us. Your revelation speaks to our hearts. And I pray, Lord, that you will speak to us, that you will speak to this community, this family, this church. Lord, that you will help us to understand from now on, from this very day, from this very message, the importance and the power and the beauty of baptism. As we are preparing to celebrate baptisms ourselves in a couple of weeks, Lord, help us to embrace the reality that you have called us, Lord. You have called us to be separated in terms of holiness towards you and not to be contaminated with the world. But at the same time, we have been planted in the world to preach the good news of the gospel, that the kingdom is here, that there is hope, that there is salvation in Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you. We thank you and we honor you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you so much for, for being here today and uh, have a lovely week.